Yes, my lovely Bandofla family, welcome back to another episode. And today we will be asking, where to, Gov? That familiar question. Those of you who are in the trade will, of course, know that I'm referring to the great British institution known as the Black Cab. First things first, though, uh, we are feeling the love here at Bandofla as hundreds more have started to follow us on Twitter. You can find us on underscore Bandofla. That's B-A-N-D-O-F-L-A on Twitter. And our listening figures are still really robust across many different parts of the world, um, which is unbelievable, really. Um, so all, to all of our listeners, uh, we are very grateful uh, for your support. So thank you. So right, the Black Cab. It's been around for as long as I can remember and the tourists absolutely love a black cab. We are hooking up with a, a cabbie of 27 years, Ahmet Suleiman, who will be sharing some of his stories with listeners and also touching on life as a cabbie generally. For football fans, we also have something for you as we touch on Ahmet's other love which is the Arsenal he's actually been following them for 57 years and he's taken in over 1800 games that's uh, a pretty impressive record um, and he'll be sharing some of some of his special memories um, so before Ahmet joins us I'm going to round up some of the news making the headlines well, the Conservative government are making sure the country is on its bloody knees. I was stuck in Brighton earlier this week at the Labour Party conference and I had about a quarter tank of petrol. I was absolutely bricking it about how I was going to get home. I genuinely thought I'd have to leave the car in Brighton. Luckily, I found a station on the way back um, and, you know, but on social media, on the petrol thing, I don't know, listeners have probably seen this, there's footage of uh, fisticuffs on the petrol forecourts as people are literally fighting to get a tank of petrol or diesel. What the hell is going on out there, people? Come on, let's get a grip. On top of this, gas prices um, are soaring. Just today, gas prices have gone up another 12%. For all of us who are on a variable tariff, we are getting well and truly rogered. It's, it's unbelievable, actually, what the government are doing. It's absolutely bloody scandalous. So compare what's happened in the UK. So... The, the energy's gone up, gas prices have gone up 12% today. So in France, they've cut the planned price rise from 12% to 4%. In Italy, they've provided a three billion pound, sorry, three billion euro fuel poverty bailout to those poorest in society in Italy. This isn't an ideology. 
the Tories could of course choose to do something similar, but no. Instead, they're going to make things actually worse because they're cutting universal credit payments by up to £20, by £20 I should say, for, for those who are the most poorest in society. This, my friends, is a choice between heating and eating. And this government has absolutely failed the British public. Um, I can't put it in, uh, in, in any other terms. So just try and remember that next time there's a ballot, next time there's a general election and you're putting that X on the ballot paper. Please don't say that politicians are all the same. Um, you know, democracy is important. Your votes are important. So next time there's a general election, just remember what's going on in this country and who has caused it. The other big news, um, which is really, really sad, is, is the issue around violence towards women and young girls. It's uh, again making the headlines. The bent copper who killed Sarah Everard has uh, finally been sentenced this week at the Old Bailey and he won't be coming out ever again. Well, he will, but when he's brown bread. Um, What Wayne Cousins did is beyond uh, terrible. Uh, He abused his authority, he abused the trust um, and poor Sarah Everard um, unfortunately lost her life as a result. So Cousins has got what he deserves. Um, So check this out. Uh, We've done a bit of research here at Bandofla. And according to a report in The Guardian this week, it would appear that since 2009, at least 15 women have been killed by serving or former police officers. 15 women in the last 12 years. In most cases, um, it has been their their partners. Um, I mean, that's a staggering statistic um, there's also the, the really sh- shocking case of Sabina Nessa who literally went out for a five minute walk um, and Sabina was brutally murdered um, someone is has been charged with her murder since the murder of Sarah Everard there's been about 80 women who have since been killed where the main suspect is a man. The advice given by the police to women in the fallout of these shocking murders has quite frankly been bizarre. Uh, and there's been many calls for Cressida Dick to resign. So in terms of the bizarre advice being given by the police and the government, how about the government and the police simply tell men to stop fucking killing women? That would be a start. And while they're at it, there needs to be emergency powers uh, brought in to make misogyny a hate crime. Why should women have to cross the road to feel safer? Or to hold the keys, their keys in their hands while they're walking? Or to carry pepper spray. Uh, The Bandofla message to men generally 
is to start treating women with the respect and dignity that they deserve. Bandofla's thoughts are with the families of every victim and survivor of domestic violence, sexual assault or any other degrading or humiliating attack. Our final message before we go uh, to our Bandofla guest um, and black cab driver Ahmed Soliman is this. Have you come to the conclusion yet? This is a Brexit point. So apologies from switching so randomly on subjects. But on Brexit, have you uh, come to the conclusion yet that voting for Brexit was one big con? Because I feel that way, um, especially seeing how everything's panning out and how messed up our economy is. I, I just feel that the public's been so badly lied to um, and we all know Boris is prone to the odd porky don't we so we'll leave it there for now and uh, we're going to head over to our interview with Ahmet so I hope you enjoy it and I'll see you on the other side Really pleased to be able to introduce Ahmet Suleiman, who is a black cab driver. And uh, Ahmet, welcome to Bandofla. Yeah, hi, Fancy. Great, great to hear from you again. Yeah, I hope all is well with you. Thank you, brother. Ahmet is a, a black cab driver. Um, 26 years he's been doing the circuit in central London. Um, so, Ahmed, we're going to touch on what life is like to be a, a black cab driver. You must have some amazing stories. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Well, we all do. We all do. You know, you ask any cab driver, and he'll, 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 he'll want to read you a book anyway. <laughs> I think there's... I think the, the black cab drivers are the oracle of, of knowledge. Um, you know, you, you've got to know so many things. But what we're going to do is yep. we'll, we'll touch on that. And I know you've got yep. another another love, and that's uh, Arsenal Football Club, which we both, yep. yeah. Um, and I want to well, go into a little bit on, on Arsenal, because I know you've got some you know, fantastic memories uh, that yeah, you'd like that's... to share. So, um, Absolutely. Right, what we're going to start with, Ahmet, is um, yeah. why did you, dis- what made you decide that you wanted to become a black cab driver? Oh, well, um, there's an old saying, when you go to school in Islington, when you leave school in Islington, you either end up in prison or driving a cab. So uh, coming out of school, I didn't drive a cab. Um, I went to fashion school. I was, uh, uh, went to fashion school in Southgate. Um, I was sort of steamrolled into the uh, family business of the rag trade, which I was never really happy with. I had cousins who were black cab drivers, and I just felt that one day I would I would like to do that anyway. And we got to the point uh, in the fashion industry where we hit coming up to the mid nineties, and manufacturing was um, dwindling here in the UK and a lot of goods uh, were being produced in in the Far East 
and other parts of the East. Um, so um, I decided to, as you would say, knock it on the head. I was fortunate enough for a cousin of mine, Issy Atahassan, to buy the um, business off me. Um, we, we did that and um, I decided to go on the knowledge of London because I'd always wanted to be a cabbie, to be honest with you. Sometimes a, a job fits you. I, I, I love my job and uh, decided to do the knowledge of London, as I say, uh, signed on and away I went. And um, another thing I'm proud of is I did the knowledge of London in 19 months. Uh, the average was two and a quarter years or so at that particular time, but I was doing it religiously at home six days a week. Anyone who's done the knowledge out there will know that you've got to call your runs. The runs are getting from point A to point B, and you've got to name each street in sequence as the crow flies. Now, I used to recall 110 of those a day. Well, the Knowledge of London is an examination uh, of the, the Knowledge of London. It's not just the streets of London, predominantly the streets of London, points of interest, theatres, train stations, big companies, football grounds, blah, 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 all, all of these, finding out points of interest, the Victorian Albert Museum, Museum of London, and uh, the examiner will come and say to you, my very last question, I was asked on the knowledge of London, he said to me, take me from Arsenal Football Club to Chelsea Football Club, and I did it in about two minutes. Uh, verbally, uh, 55 streets that entailed, but because you reach a certain peak where um, you actually have that map of London in your head, and you can recall everything, and you can remember everything. So um, yeah, basically that's knowing everything about London uh, possible. Wow, so it's going back to, and you did it in 19 months. How many journeys a day? You were saying 110 every day. Oh, yeah, I was, I was um, yeah, what I was doing, uh, when, when you go out, you usually, the, the, the points that are given to you, the routes that are given to you, you take him two or three a day. So after you do one particular route, Manor House to Gibson Square is the first one, you do that. And so I used to sit back in my car and visually uh, remember the names. And add, add, so you add on, first day is two, second day becomes up to five, then eight, then 10. And next thing you know, you've done all 400 odd, or 480 odds, I think it was back in those days. And uh, you're recalling them all. And so you think to yourself, well, how can I get better? How can I impress the examiner? So me and my friend, Brian, we decided to push it on to 660 runs. So I was recalling those runs, 110 a day, 660 a week, Sundays off. Uh, and then when, when you go to be examined, he'll ask, he'll ask you, for instance, Manor House to Gibson Square, bang, 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 bang. You know it because you've recorded it every every week for the last uh, year or so. So well, that's the way I decided to do it. And um, it is a fantastic institution, London Cabbie and um, the knowledge. And, and we're forever being told by people from all over the world how we are the best taxi service in the world as well. So uh, I'm very proud of being a London Cabbie. And the way you speak, my friend, and that seems to be almost a... A London black cab accent. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's uh, it's it's got to be either uh, an Islington accent or an Essex accent, East End accent, I suppose, predominantly. And yeah, I suppose there are certain words. I think you'll find um, 
some cab drivers of a certain age, I'm 63, uh, still use a lot of rhyming slang as well, Cockney rhyming slang, uh, in, in their daily lives. Uh, I do come from a Turkish Cypriot background, but very proud to be, uh, of being uh, a Londoner. So uh, I am what my uh, accent is. Listen, as a, as a black cab driver, you must yeah. have picked up um, quite a few faces in your time. Aren't yeah, it? about 400 actually in my 26 years. I used to keep a list. Uh, yeah, yeah, they, they're just famous people. Um, well, here's your opportunity uh, to name drop. So let's, let's. Yeah, I'll name drop and I'll say both Noel and Liam Gallagher, um, Georgie Best, people like you might remember Lindsay DePaul was a favourite of mine. Um, and my, my favourite celebrity of all time is Patti Smith. Oh, I picked up from Paddington Station. Patty Smith was the original uh, punk rock girl from New York, from CBGBs. And we had the most tremendous conversation and most tremendous cuddle afterwards as well. She went on my way. I went on my way. I'm a big fan of Patty's anyway. So uh, that, that one. And George, George Best is the only person I've picked up and I've started driving in the wrong direction because I was just in awe of George, Georgie Best. You went in the wrong direction. Oh, yeah, he said to me, do you know where you're going? I said, yes, I think so. I said, it's your fault because you're George Best. And he was laughing. Lovely, lovely, <laughs> lovely, quiet, gentle man. And it doesn't matter which team you support, George Best was George Best. Yeah, and uh, I'm guessing politicians as well in central London. These days, we, we're not allowed to go into Parliament and pick up. Whereas many years ago, we were um, able to go into you know, the, the houses and pick up MPs and take them to wherever they were going to go, usually to their apartments locally. Michael Portillo um, picked up a couple of times and he was our MP in in Southgate. So I picked him up after he, uh, well, he wasn't an MP at the time and he was more of a TV celeb, I suppose. And uh, yeah, amiable chap, you know, um, as, as they all are, really. Yeah. Less we say about former conservative better. Well, I know, I know where you're going from, but I do have a lovely story about um, picking up. I picked up Sir Robin Day uh, from his apartment in Westminster. Picked up Robin Day, and um, he wanted to go to the BBC studios in uh, Wood Lane. No problem, sir. Away we go. We're driving along. Our route's taken us along Holland Park Avenue. I've looked onto the right side of Holland Park Avenue on a Saturday evening. It's dark, but there's a guy standing there in a smoking jacket, a silk smoking jacket with a silk smoking hat with a tassel on it and a cigarette holder. And it's Tony Benn. It's always been my dream to pick up Tony Benn. And I've got Sir Robin Day in the back of the taxi and he's seen me. He said, taxi. I said, sorry, sir, I've got... So, uh, so Robin Day, I'm just taking him to the BBC. And he was looking perplexed, thinking, is this for real? What is this driver saying <laughs> to me? So I, I just I just missed out on him, to be honest oh, with you. So, they, didn't, uh, they didn't share the cab? No, 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 no. He didn't sit in my cab. And uh, I would have loved to have had uh, a couple of words with him. The, uh, the um, greatest raconteur that ever... Uh, yeah, he, he was he certainly was one of my heroes as well. And I, I had yeah, with that, uh, I had the honor of meeting him a, a few times because he's very, oh, did close. You really? yeah, he's very close with the trade unions. Well, 
one of the things I wanted to do, but it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. Okay. So as a um, black cab driver, there's yeah. things have changing certainly over the last ten years, maybe yeah. even longer. Man. What do you think are the biggest uh, challenges for black cab drivers today? Well, the biggest challenges uh, for black cabs is actually keeping going. Um, the vehicles, we're having problems with the vehicles now. Um, with the vehicles, you know, rightly or wrongly, I bought a vehicle, for instance, I'll tell you my story. I bought a vehicle and I thought, I've got 15 years out of this because uh, uh, that's the age limit, 15 years, well, fantastic. Bring me up to maybe 68, 69 years old and I'll uh, <laughs> ride off into the sunset. Two years ago, Transport for London decided to move the goalposts from 15 years to 12 years. So I've lost three years of a cab that I've paid a lot of money for. Um, and I'm not the only driver in that situation. Now, what's also happened uh, through COVID times, just before COVID, Transport for London and the government were giving grants to drivers to give those old, their old buses in or their diesel guzzlers, if you want. And a lot of drivers did that. And they bought these electric taxis. So the electric taxis, obviously, with no work being given, a lot of these guys go into financial difficulties, of course. And um, so at the moment, we're down from 20,500 cabs to just under 14,000 cabs in London. And the ones that are left now, we're, we're relatively busy, if you like, have been for four or five weeks. So I, I'm not really sure where the cab trade will be going in the next several years. Once, you know, once these um, diesel vehicles go and, you know, a 70,000 pound electric vehicle, you know, how many drivers of, of a particular age will want to uh, invest in one? I mean, it, it, it does look like there's challenges because, I, I mean, I know that there's, yeah. there's a lot going on with Uber as well. And... Yeah, I mean, Uber, you know, all we were asking with Uber and all we were asking of Transport for London and Mayor Khan was, you know, you need to cap the numbers on these guys because the slice of cake is being thinned out all the time. If I'm not wrong, 105,000 Uber licenses for London and Greater London, that's too much. And now after COVID and we're all back working now, there are less flat cabs, there are less Ubers, we've all got work to do. And this is what, you know, we don't mind competition, but fair competition. The guys that are doing the knowledge today are doing three years. If you sign on to the knowledge today, you will not get your badge till three years time today, at the very best. And, the, you know, with the, with the Uber guys, you know, you know the score with that. You know, within a few weeks, you can become a, an Uber driver. And fair enough, you know, we, we just uh, want a fair playing field, that's all. And we, we've we've been dealt a really hard card by uh, Transport for London, and a lot of cab drivers will say by Mayor Carmesy. Yeah, I, I think that people listening will have a a lot of sympathy with you, Ahmed. I think even with those statistics, you know, yeah. there's been a big drop from twenty thousand to fourteen thousand. Yeah, and when yeah, you bring all the Uber drivers, over a hundred thousand of them within that yeah. area, that's a challenging yeah. market. It really is a challenging market. Uh, I've, I've got to say, it's, it's getting tougher. I'm working uh, it, to make the same sort of money before uh, the pandemic. You're, you're working more hours. And even yeah. I was probably making more money seven or eight years ago. So um, really? I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm coming towards the end of 
yeah, this podcast is going to go out um, fairly wide. And I, I think yeah. you know, there's a lot of people who will love our London um, black taxi drivers, black cab drivers. Um, yeah. So, you know, you, I think it's fair to say that you really are the sort of the earth. I think there's a lot of charity work that you do as well. That you yeah, the London, uh, the London Black Cab Trade is very well known for that. And, uh, you know, whether it's... Uh, the tour of the old war graves in France and Belgium, or the trip, trips for the kids down to Disneyland Paris, uh, to see places even like Southend and Clapton for the kids, a day out for the disabled kids, uh, that type of thing. The London taxi trade is well known for that. You know, Armistice Day every year, no one charges any soldier that get any of the old soldiers. Not many of them left now, but the ones that are left, we do not charge them a penny. No, I, I think that people do genuine. There's a lot of love uh, for people in your trade. Um, and yeah, there, there's there's a lot of good ones. There's a lot of good ones in the trade. Um, I'm, as I say, I'm always I've always been proud of being a London. Uh, black all, cab all all the black cab drivers I know are like yeah. I said, sort of the sort of the uh, people, and you're you're a classic example of that, aren't it? So yeah, well, that's, that's very kind of you to say so. But I think we just try and do the best. But I think most of us like our, like our job. I love my job. I don't like it. I love my job. Yeah. I think it, I, I was made to uh, made to be a, a black cab driver. I I really enjoy my job. But uh, yeah, it's um, it's not what it things things ain't what they used to be. <laughs> I think that's the same for a lot of people, brother. Yeah. Okay, we've talked about um, the, the good stuff, and I'm yeah. going to touch on a, a subject now that kind of, I guess it brought um, a little bit of uh, shame, or, you know, certainly brought controversy um, yep. to black cab drivers, and that's the case of John Warboys. I, I can't mm. remember what year it was. Um, but I mean, the, the Warboys case obviously he, he was very well publicized in, in terms of what he was doing to some of his um female uh clients, customers in the, in the cab. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what what was your reaction when all, all that news broke? I, I still shudder when I hear his his name, even on the radio after all, the, all this time. I'm listening to maybe a LBC or whatever it may be. And they always say, ex-black cab driver, John Warboys. And it makes me shudder every single time. If I'm not wrong, he's the um, uh, first conviction since 1966. And um, that's quite a record for the London taxi trade. I think that um, if he was let loose amongst uh, London's cabbies, uh, they would have sorted him out. But um, it's, yeah, uh, as I say, Shudder every time I hear that name, and even you just saying it now again, it's made my hands sweat. To be honest with you, I, I, um, it's it's not what we do. It's um, you know, for instance, a lot of the drivers who are listening in as well will know that we let a, a woman off in the evening, in the darks, and during the day as well. We'll we'll wait for her until she opens her door, goes in, and gives us the thumbs up. You know, there's a there's a lot of trust in the London taxi trade, and John John Warboys mis he misused that trust, and um, what he did was despicable, and um, you know, uh, uh, as I say, um, there's there's you can see I'm lost for words on him. I I really don't want to hear his name ever again. I just, it's just 
lose him into into yeah. history. And I, I'm sorry to, to bring that up, Armit, but I think yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's just it's just that every time I hear his his name, he um he you know I can see you know all all of the you know the opponents of the London black cab trade, and they know who they are. Yeah. Um, maybe having a little bit of a, we you know, not a giggle, but some kind of. Um, well, well, he brought your trade into disrepute, didn't he? Let, let's be blunt. Yeah, it, it, it certainly did, and, and and rightly so, it did. But uh, you know, obviously, most most of the people who get into a London cab will know that. Um, you know, the the driver. Let's, let's focus on the positives. Well, I think that's what we're we're doing. The, <laughs> I think you you all do an amazing amazing job. Um, yeah. So, you know, let, let, let's carry on on, on yeah. that vein. So I mean, what um, I think we I think we have quite a few political people that listen into the show as well. And and you've yeah. mentioned you've mentioned the mayor Sadiq Khan. Um, yeah. I, w- I yeah. wouldn't go as far to say he's a fan of Bandofla, but I think he does <laughs> listen to the podcast. Well, um, I mean, if you had a message to, to Sadiq and the London Assembly? Yeah, a little bit more TLC. Mr Khan and his friends at Transport for London have personally robbed me of three years of my cab, which will work out at 20% of uh, what I paid for to work and moving the goalposts. So personally, it, I, I know that they haven't even got it in their mind because the LTDA and uh, uh, some of our other guys have tried to... Uh, reinstate the 15-year age limit, but uh, that's just a personal one with me. But I, I, we, we just want him to sort of like look at the black cab trade and, you know, we are part of London. We are the, the red bus, the black cab. We are part of the tapestry of London. A very endearing message. So, Sadiq, yeah. if you're listening, Sadiq. have a word and put, yep. put in, you know, just, just treat the, the black cab drivers with a bit of uh, dignity and respect and a bit more fairness. Yeah. That, 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 that's all we want. That's all we want. And fair play. All we want is fair play. Right. I am going to touch on something now that we both share in common. Um, oh. and that, that is the, the mighty uh, art. I want you to give us, give our listeners a bit of a taste of just what Arsenal means to you um, in terms of your family. I know your, yeah. your lovely uh, father. Um, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to give you the floor now. So if you just uh, share share those special memories, what Arsenal means to you with our listeners? Yeah, um, well, I'll start with my father because uh, he was the uh, epicentre of everything. Uh, for us. Um, He came, to, he was a driver for the British Army in Cyprus and in the late 40s and into the early 50s. And then uh, he decided that he wanted to come to England in 52. So some of the some of the squaddies, some of the gunners he was uh, driving around, he said to him, I'm, I'm going to London. So I said, well, when you go to London, you must go down to Ivory and watch the Arsenal. <laughs> so good to, his, good, good to his word, that's exactly what he did. And living in Islington as well, North Church Road, just off Essex Road for everyone. Um, he, used, he missed one game between 1952 and 1994. So he, he, um, what he used to do, of, of course, he made me into an Arsenal fan. I had no choice. I'm, I'm glad he did. And um, I've, I was just thinking about this. My father passed away about nine months ago. And uh, I was just reflecting on things. And um, 
you know, some people have been to uh, several games with their dad and uh, that was it, called it a day. I went to over a thousand fo- uh, Arsenal matches with my dad. I've been to 1,800 in all, over 1,800 in all. But I went to a thousand Arsenal matches with my dad when people were going away with their mates during the 70s and the 80s into the 90s. Uh, I'd sometimes take my dad away with my mates and everyone knew, his, knew him as uncle. He didn't get involved in... So he got involved in some of the singing, but not a lot. But uh, he was, um, everyone knows him as uh, Arsenal Ward Hunt. And um, he was well known. We'd go to weddings and uh, people would shout, hello, how are you? Shake his hand, how's, how's the Arsenal doing? So everyone knew him as that. And um, I was fortunate enough to uh, be with him as Arsenal fans out there will probably think of the greatest night in Highbury's history was when we won the Fairs Cup in 1970, after a barren 19 years of not winning a trophy. Um, 17 years, 53, sorry. Uh, it's my maths, my honest school maths. Um, 17 years of not winning a trophy. We won the cup. He said to me, go on then. I said, well, he said, run onto the pitch. Run on. So I ran onto the pitch with the players and all the <laughs> other fans. Great night. And then a year later, it was for us, for me, as a, of a certain age, I was 13 years old, 1971, May the 3rd. Um, now, we've got to go to White Hart Lane. We've either got to draw nil-nil or win. A 1-1 draw gives the league to Leeds. And Spurs, that year, I think they finished third or fourth. Very formidable team, Spurs. You know, Gilzine and uh, Greavesy, the great Greavesy. Um, you know, you, you had Alan, Gil, uh, Alan Mullery, Pat Jennings in goal, that type of thing. So they had a very formidable team. Uh, so we went, we went to White Hart Lane, got in there nice and early. He said to me, you're only going to school for half a day, so come home. I always do what my dad tells me. Come home, skip school, went to White Hart Lane, got in, watched the match. Ray Kennedy scores in the last minute. And he says it again, run onto the pitch because this will never happen again. Although it did, uh, not in those circumstances. <laughs> so, so I was, uh, yes, uh, two, two of my greatest nights were uh, as a 12 and a 13-year-old uh, with the Arsenal. And, and co- coming through... Um, Going to school in Islington, nearly everyone supported Arsenal. Um, I've had a season ticket since '77. Uh, still going strong. I'll, you know, I went last Sunday. I'll be going again. They are a great love of my life, as you know uh, very well. That's, a, that's some really wonderful memories there. Um, yes, yeah, great memories, and it's been carried on by my son and my daughter as well. Uh, my son's a season ticket holder with me. And when my son can't make it, my, my daughter comes along with us as well. So that's that's always nice to go with your kids and uh, uh, enjoy a game. Um, and I know that yeah. there's other there'll be fans of many other football clubs yeah. into the podcast. And for our, for yeah. our fans, um, we do yeah. have a surprise on the podcast. We're going to have a, a big um, internet influencer coming on the show soon. And we'll be talking all things Tottenham. So I, I hope you're still... You're still yeah. listening to the show. Um, but Ahmed, what about... Um, thank you for share, sharing those memories. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. That, that's really um, special to, to share that. Yeah. Um, what about the setup? What about the setup now? That, you know, Wenger well, uh, uh, What, with Wenger? 
Yeah. Do you think he's? Yeah. Do you think the time was right for him to go, or was you? Um, was the time for him home? to go was after uh, beating Hull City in the FA Cup. But uh, he loved the club. I'll give him that. He, he loved the club. Uh, he didn't want to leave. It, it started to become Arsene FC. And I was one of his critics towards the end. And I just wanted him to ride off into the sunset. And uh, although I was a critic, I've turned up at the last game, at his very last game, and cheered him to the rafters. He deserved that at least, without a shadow of a doubt. Gave us some great football, some great players, some great moments. Uh, you couldn't ask for a better ambassador for the club. But I felt that towards the end, he lost that zest and uh, the players that would come in he did have to obviously pay for the stadium and that was influenced as well but even so we felt that 22 years was maybe pushing it a bit so we, we all wish him well but uh, long live uh, you know the king is dead long live the king so in terms of where Arsenal are at the moment with all the rebuilding um, so I think there's a lot still a lot of question marks around Mikel Arteta, um, some yeah, of the but, well, results haven't been going his way, although of late things have picked up a little bit. Do, what do you think well, the long-term situation will be at Arsenal? That, that's, that's a difficult one, because if you ask me, um, the Chelsea game, we were losing 2-0, and I just felt that if a third goal had gone in, um, I think there would have been a mass exodus, similar to the one at Wembley, when Man City scored the third goal and about 15,000 of us uh, just walked out in protest. But uh, we lost only 2-0. And then we, you know, um, then we got hammered by Manchester City. And we've come back and beaten the two uh, bottom clubs. And, of course, the London... Uh, it, not, it couldn't have gone better for us. A lot of frustrations by Arsenal fans um, were lifted that day uh, with a manner of Arsenal, the way that Arsenal won that game. So uh, with Arteta, I personally think that um, I want him to succeed, but I don't know if we can succeed at the very top with him because I don't know if he has that X factor. Um, I don't, I'm really not sure if, let, let's see what happens this season. Uh, you know, if things don't go too well, he might not even see out the season. If things go well, you never know. So uh, we'll see. I think we've got a good bunch of kids. Uh, supplement them with some experience. I love Odegaard. I think Odegaard could be the, the man. And we've got some great youngsters still coming through as well. So let's see how we go. I, I, I don't think we'll, we'll win anything major for the next two or three years. Uh, maybe the odd FA Cup or League Cup. But apart from that, I can't see us being champions or doing anything in Europe for the next. We're not even in Europe. But, but there's a clear uh, vision there, though. There's a clear strategy. There, there is a vision around. there. There is yeah. a vision. And the kids and the kids that are coming to the game now are taking on that vision. I've, for a long time, I haven't seen Arsenal fans get behind the team uh, the way they had, not just in the Tottenham game. I saw that in the Norwich game. Yes, it's, you know, with all respect to Norwich City, you know, yes, we were playing the bottom team at home. Yes, we only won 1-0, but you could see the fans were getting behind the team and urging the team on. And I said before the Tottenham game to my son, I said, you know, I feel today could be a crackerjack. It, it, you know, if the fans get behind the team, and it turned out uh, that way, it was a crackerjack. It was a great game for Arsenal. 
Spurs came back in the second half, you, you know, with all due respect to them. If the save, you know, by Ramsdale, if he hadn't saved that, it would have been an interesting last three or four minutes. And we've had that from Tottenham before at the Emirates. So, um, yeah, interesting times at Arsenal. But, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. There's been, there's been a few new signings added um, in, in the summer yeah. window. Um, obviously, Odegaard, um, he was on loan last year and we've, we've yeah. now made that permanent. But does anyone particularly stand out apart from Odegaard? Yeah, um, I think there's two. Um, Sambi in midfield, he, he, you know, recommended by Thierry Henry, no less. Uh, he looks like a good midfield player, he's only 21. And Aaron Ramsdale will be the Arsenal goalkeeper for the next 10 years. He has taken to it like a duck takes to water. He, the fans love him. He is a character. He organises the defence. He's exactly what we've been looking for. And I, I think that, that one and Odegaard could possibly be the uh, signings of the season for Arsenal. Do you think he's uh, justified, uh, Arteta's justified to play him ahead of Leno at the moment? Uh, um, well, Leno did say that this week, didn't he? He, uh, I, I did nothing wrong. But uh, the game before, uh, he'd let in five against Man City. I can't tell you what the goals were like because I still haven't seen them. I, I, I just put it out of my mind, the five, the five mil. I didn't even watch the game I was working. Um, so, yeah, you lose five mil, you've changed the goalkeeper and you've won every game since. I guess that does speak for itself. Um, I, yeah. I guess if, if there's if there's sour grapes on the part of Leno, he could he may well be out the the door in January. Well, well I always felt that last season because he was talking about uh, some of the players and the clicks in the club and how some of the players weren't professional enough, and I felt that he was edging for a move anyway. I think you'll find Leno will probably sign for someone like Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, uh, next season and uh, Arsenal will promote one of the younger boys uh, coming through. We've got some uh, fantastic prospects in goal as well coming through. So uh, that might be, uh, this might be Leno's uh, last season. That's the way I see it. Yeah. You, you also keep um, your eye on on the youngsters. Um, I, I see your regular... Yeah, I do. I do like watching that. They're, they're actually playing... Uh, Brighton at the moment and I, I do enjoy watching these kids and I'll be honest with you I enjoy watching the Arsenal ladies alright listen we're know. coming to the end of this show um, yep. and I, I, I guess what I want to, to get from you you've you're, yep. you know, you've you've been to uh, you know a thousand games with your father is it about yep. 1800 games now altogether? 18, yeah 1800 I've seen all Arsenal's European finals apart from the last one in Baku so uh, that's that's going back to 1970. So uh, I think I've been to nearly coming up to nearly 30 Arsenal uh, Cup finals as well. I love the club; uh, they mean everything to me, um, rightly or wrongly. You know, so who's the player in that in yeah. in that period spanning 40, 40 plus years? Um, yeah. Who's the player or two players? I'll, I'll give you that you say you really enjoyed watching them the most? And I know that's a difficult one because lots of... It is a difficult one. It is a difficult one. I've got two names that spring to mind straight away. One is Dennis Burkamp, 
the greatest player to ever play for Arsenal and uh, everyone's favourite, Georgie Armstrong. Right. Well, that's George, a... George, George never even won a cap for England, uh, but as an Arsenal stalwart, um, he, he was he, he was everyone's favourite. You won't find a bad word against him, but they're, they're the two names that spring out to mind. Of course, there's others. There's Henri and Brady, you know, uh, guys, guys like that. You know, whether, you know, Tony Adams. Oh, Mr. Arsenal, <laughs> Tony Adams. What a man. What a man. Oh, mate, it's been great um, catching up yeah. with you on everything in relation to the black cabs, the black taxis. Um, you know, as you, say, as you say, they they are an institution in in London. Yeah, long, long may it continue. Yes, it, absolutely, and, and it's been great touching on uh, on the Arsenal as well and sharing some You're of the special. You're more than welcome. Great, great uh, speaking with you again, and uh, I'll see you at the Emirates. Yes, you take care, brother. You take care as well, bro. Okay, listeners, we've reached the end of another episode. And, um, yeah, where are we off to, Gov? That's the uh, common shout that you'll hear from the taxi driver in the cabs. And that's what we've been talking about today with our special guest, Ahmet Suleiman. So until next time, do keep safe. Um, Remember, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, at underscore bandofla b-a-n-d-o-f-l-a we can also be emailed at podcastbandofla at gmail.com and you can send us a, a voicemail on our anchor platform as well just go to the message section and you have 60 seconds to say whatever you want to say so until next time peace and love Ciao.